At Deland Gibson, we strive to educate our clients and the public on finer aspects of risk. For this podcast, BOR stands for Brothers of Risk. Chip and Ted Gibson will dive into important topics on risk management, personal and commercial insurance, employee benefits, HR consulting, and what's going on at DG. We will try to translate the complicated contract and policy-laden insurance world into pragmatic advice, all while bantering as brothers and partners at Deland Gibson. Hello and welcome back to the Brothers of Risk. I'm Chip Gibson, here with my brother Ted, and today we're interviewing Colby Hewitt, the Chief Marketing Officer at Norfolk and Denim Group. Now, Norfolk and Denim Group, otherwise known as N&D, has been around since 1825. They're a local insurance company and one of Delane Gibson's best partners. They offer commercial and personal insurance, and they offer it locally grown. So we'll get into that. We'll get into um, a little bit more about the economics of insurance pricing. We'll, we'll talk about things like the future of insurance and how N&D is utilizing the Internet of Things as well as technology to help settle claims. So it's a pretty interesting conversation to also see how they've pivoted quickly during this pandemic to help their policyholders and their response to the business interruption insurance debate that's having um, waves through Congress legislatively and uh, with our policyholders. So we thank you for tuning in and uh, we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Thank you. Colby, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're doing this over over Teams, so it's a little different than having you in the office, which would have been a little easier and probably a little better sound quality, but we really appreciate having you in. So the first thing we wanted to jump into is just give us a little background on N&D and your slogan regarding locally grown insurance. So Norfolk and Dedham Group was founded in 1825. Um, we were founded by a group of property holders from Norfolk County in a tavern in a hotel called Bragg's Inn um, that's right up the street from our current office building. So we are what's considered a regional company. Um, we're a small, mid-sized uh, insurance company, and our roots are really cemented to the concept of being a local business. We also are absolutely committed to the independent agency system, um, this distribution system that we use so we don't write anything direct. Um, we have for a very long time not written anything direct. And really that locally grown angle, it, it starts and ends with that system because um, we get to know each one of our agents absolutely. We have 400 insurance agents. We have 125,000 policyholders. Um, I can't know, we can't know 125,000 policyholders, but we can know all 400 of our agents and they can know all of their policyholders and they can know uh, the problems that their policyholders are running into and the exposures that they, that, that they come into contact with and how their lives are changing and, and how to best cover them. We also I, I'm not necessarily an expert on Wellesley, but you're an expert on Wellesley. So you know your area and you know the exposures that are that are present in that area. Um, so uh, so to us, it's about our ability to service the client better because we have these really tight ties to our community 
and our agents have really, really tight ties to their community. Um, it's also about providing exceptional client experience within each of the departments where we're conducting business, because if you're not comfortable placing your best policyholders with us, um, then then we're not providing that value on the local level that we like to think that we do. Um, and um, one of the one of the ways that we like to think that we provide value, we have an ability to address problems at a really local level because we know about them so quickly because of our ties to these communities. We have a, a claims team, uh, automated claims van unit um, that goes out during catastrophic events to provide service to agents and policyholders. Uh, um, as soon as we know about it, we dispatch these claims units. They go to the area where where the problem is happening. And uh, since I've been with the company, we, we had the North Andover, Lawrence, Andover fires um, in 2019. Um, claims vans immediately that night were up in that area um, trying to assess the damage. Early in the morning, they're they're knocking on the doors of insurance agencies asking how they can help. Um, prior to my time, we had the, the Springfield tornadoes in 2011, uh, Hurricane Sandy, particularly in New Jersey in 2012. Um, these folks were remarkably good at getting to the impacted areas and providing service to uh, policyholders and agents as needed. Um, and um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's really a point of pride for us. Uh, I, I have had uh, other folks from the industry as as well as agents and policyholders talk about how our claims team really steps up in these instances and and provides some value to uh, to people who are having their worst day. So um, to me, um, the the locally grown thing it's it's a nice tagline. It's it's an easy it's an easy marketing campaign, um, but it really is kind of who we are, and it's more about the operations than it is about marketing. I, I mean. Um, nothing that I do and my team does makes any sense at all if our underwriting team isn't the best, if our claims team isn't the best, um, if our billing team isn't out there solving problems. Yeah, well, those are a lot of good examples. And I think you guys put, um, you, you, you walk the walk, but you also talk the talk from, from a claim standpoint, but also just supporting your agents and, and being there for, you, you, for, for everyone. Like I've seen you guys out at fundraising events. You helped. It, you helped. You donated for our fundraising event to, for the Delane Gibson Fund. Um, I know you support local restaurants often, and even during this this pandemic, have been doing that. So it's um, we really appreciate it, and uh, I think you guys do um, really hold strong with with the locally grown insurance and just being a part of the communities altogether. How is the Norfolk and Dedham Group dealing with internal debate on? the business interruption issues that you're probably getting from your agents and also the most recent announcement that you gave to your, your policyholders about an auto refund for the months that we are impacted by this virus. So let me, let me take a step back. Um, the most, the most important thing to us is that we keep everybody safe during this time. So we've been a hundred percent work from home for about a month. Uh, that was a decision that was made very early on, and uh, we uh, we we had the capability to everybody everybody work from home pretty quickly, and so we we jumped on that. Uh, as of March 20th, we were 100% out of the office. 
in addition to that, we we've suspended in-person touch points, and and that was those were the hardest things. The hardest things were identifying what are the physical processes that we can't do right now because we can't be physically present. So uh, so what do we have to forego? Well, we do property inspections for underwriting. We're not doing any property inspections right now. It's not the right time to do it. Uh, we do physical audits on certain um, certain commercial clients. Uh, we're we're not doing any physical audits. We can do mail audits for uh, for some of those, and and claims uh, claims claims has certain functions that they can do remotely that are really actually pretty slick. We have a um, we have a, a a texting tool that we use a local company called Hi Marley that we've contracted with, so we can handle a lot of we can handle a lot of claims. Uh, through that texting functionality and also through uh, through self inspections, uh, they can really do a lot of the claims process soup to nuts if we need it. There are certain claims that need to have in person adjustment. We have contracted with uh, with independent adjusters that have uh, that have proper protocols in place so they don't spread the virus. And that that was that was sort of step one for us in dealing with this process. Um, step two was how do we make sure that our policyholders are well taken care of at this time? And we understood that we were going to hit uh, an, an economic, a problematic time economically here pretty quickly. And the best way for us as a company to help our policyholders within our contract and the coverage that we're able to provide is to keep that coverage in force. So right away, it was actually really that first day, March 13th, we had a management meeting in the office and determined that uh, we had to adopt the most flexible billing policy possible. So since, since March 20th, it took, took about a week to get it automated. Um, in the meantime, we were, we were doing this ad hoc, but by March 20th, we had automated this. So we, we haven't penalized a single policyholder for failure to pay. We, we aren't. We aren't charging fees. Uh, we aren't canceling policies for non-payment. Um, and and that's when I say we. Th- this has really been an industry-level response. It's it's pretty. Bi- it's kind of kind of been amazing, actually. Um, uh, I don't I don't normally speak uh, go out of my way to speak highly of our competitors, but our competitors too have stepped up. Um, we're we're really all trying to do the right thing. Um, if an insured has a covered loss. At this time, they should feel secure that the contract's in force and it's going to respond. Um, we we had windstorms the other day. Um, we had a lot of damage. Claims are still coming in from that. Um, but uh, when that happens at at this time, insured shouldn't worry about whether whether their policy has has been paid or not. They they should they should know that that their insurance company is going to step in and do what they're contractually obligated to do. So that's that was that was really the first step, and then. But let me let so me the, jump in there. Like, yeah. you, it's, you guys have done an awesome job communicating and creating flexibility because it's just so uncertain to like even know what your policy, what what our our clients do for jobs, and like just to the the, the level of, um, of of communication and flexibility has has really helped us do a better job making everyone else feel um, feel appreciated and, and, and covered because it is unprecedented times, and um, you know it's it's. 
it's been great for from from you guys and from the other carriers we work with. It's just I've I've been surprised by the the flexibility across the the, the board. Um, and we we did kind of set you up with a BII question on there, but <laughs> the, <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't ignoring the BII question. Um, but I wanted but I wanted to preface that just quickly from an agent point of view, a non biased point of view. Um, and you know we read policies not as much as the underwriters, but um, we read policies pretty carefully, and it's pretty explicit that you need a direct physical loss to trigger coverage. Um, and while we are not in a place to accept or deny a claim, that's the job of the insurance company, we, we can give an opinion, and we do not see that business interruption is, is something that is covered by a policy um, when it's an excluded aspect. Um, so that that's that's something that you know the public feels that you know oh I paid for insurance it should be covered but the reality of it is it's a contract and it's it's specifically stated in the contract so it's it's really one of the the tougher things to deal with from a from a company's perspective and an agency perspective to have to communicate that um, because it's just you know it's 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 unfortunate but that's the reality that's contract law and that's not something that really is. Um, is going to be avoided right yeah so um so i'm not i i want to start out i'm not a claims person and i'm not an attorney um i i'm a marketer and uh and i don't claim to be either of those other things uh and small small business is it, it, we've, we've already talked about this but it's such a such a big part of who we are we are a local business our the employees at NND, our families, our spouses, our friends, our local business people. Um, we, we obviously want to do everything we can to help local business all the time. As you point out, we have a contract uh, that provides coverage, um, and all coverage, including coverage regarding government action, has to be tri triggered by a covered loss under that contract. Um, we financed our losses. We are an A-rated company with AM Best. They have to assess our ability to pay our claims given the premium that we're taking in and the surplus that we have. Um, as you point out, a direct physical loss is necessary to precipitate a covered loss. Viruses don't comprise a direct physical loss to property. Um, in addition to that, uh, losses from virus and pandemic are excluded specifically under most contracts. Um, and that's the business owner's policy, which is kind of the common form uh, for small businesses, uh, BP0003. Um, uh, it's an ISO form, so it's a standard form, um, includes, a, has in it an exclusion of the peril of virus. And that the exclusion reads, and uh, quoting, uh, whether or not the loss event results in widespread damage or affects a substantial area. Um, and the reason why the why virus is excluded is because the cost to business owners to cover that peril is going to would be huge. And I, I mean, you guys have you guys heard about? And I haven't read the policy, so I so I probably shouldn't specifically speak to it. But the policy covering Wimbledon, I, I haven't. I just know that they were spending two million bucks a year and they got 140 million dollar payouts that's right that's pretty good so, and, so but they were spending two million dollars a year specifically on the peril of pandemic yeah so so the all england club for that event policy was spending two million dollars a year to extend coverage to the 
to the peril of virus and pandemic. And again, I'm not I'm not speaking to whether I, I don't know the details of that policy and whether whether coverage should be afforded or not. Um, but but that's the cost to insure these claims it had had these been covered claims would have been massive. Um, if we were forced in violation of our contract to pay the claims, um, the capital that would be required to do that would be substantially greater than the capital that we have. Not the capital that we intend to pay claims with, but the capital that we have as a company. Um, yeah. Again, we're an A-rated company. We're one of the most stable insurers in the country. We would be in jeopardy. Many, many, many companies would go out of business. Many insurance companies would go out of business. And it's not because of an oversight. I understand that if there was an oversight, then then the then it falls in the insured's favor. But because we're forced to violate our own contract, because these companies would be forced to violate their own contract. Yeah, and, so, and, one point just on the, uh, the the pandemic insurance through through Wimbledon and, and them getting a payout for canceling Wimbledon this year. There's also been word that a competitor of Delane Gibson's partnered with an insurance company a few years ago, developed a pandemic type policy and they were unable to sell it to the marketplace because I feel the way it was priced. I haven't seen that policy. I haven't seen what the premiums are, but just to your point, Colby, that the price of these policies, Wilmington was paying $2 million a year. Small businesses, that insurance would be probably 50% of their budget if they were paying for this. Yeah, I, I mean, so the fact the, the fact is that insurance insurance for the typical business for the typical person is not designed to cover an event that impacts everybody in the world. Um, it's it's a it's a finance mechanism. So that the way that 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 historically has been covered is through the federal government um, and and sometimes through the state governments, but. Um, there's there's legislation on the table regarding a recovery fund. Um, it's being considered at the federal level. I, I personally think that that's going to be part of the answer here. Um, it's uh, it, the the government is the only entity that is that's big enough and has the resources enough to cover an exposure like this. It's it's well, the way we deal with terrorism. It's the way that we deal with flood um, and. Um, and we're so we're watching that legislation and similar legislation pretty closely to see how well, we can and also Colby, the insurance company surplus is around eight hundred million where the United States government has a, a few trillion. So they they need to be the backstop. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and, for the yeah, non so. for the non-insurance people listening, it, 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 the reality it is it'd be one thing if insurance companies like Norfolk and Denham were collecting a premium anticipating that this is underwritten but it's not underwritten they weren't collecting a premium so there's no way to pay for it that's that's the bottom line and it, it, it's it, it boils down to contract law and this is specifically excluded from the policies and as much as that's really painful and you know i i, I wish everyone could be helped by this it's just it's not going to be helped by the, by the private markets here it's going to be um, done, has been done by the government. Relating back to one of the first questions I asked, yeah. kind of your stance on where we are with COVID-19, 
how you're helping your policyholders through uh, this tough financial time. I know you just had a release that you are going to uh, be crediting back some premium over uh, May, June, um, April, May, and June. Can you just speak to a little bit about uh, your decision behind that and and what the policyholder should receive? Sure, of course. Um, so uh, we're uh, we, we're actually we're sending checks to uh, to all private passenger holders um, that have a PPA policy uh, effective a, a a certain date. It's uh, we're we're doing a run of policies, um, and that and the um, the check is going to be for the premium for twenty percent of the premium from April and May, and the. And the reason the reason for it, and 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 a number of companies have adopted the, the same kind of concept. Um, and and the reason for it is that we we don't know what the impact of claims is going to be yet. Um, we have not seen a reduction in property claims uh, over the course of this. We actually um, have just we we've been watching it. We just got a run today, um, but we we do see a drop in driving exposure. Um, and when you see a drop in driving exposure, you can almost set your watch to casualty losses. So um, so when we see a drop in driving exposure, um, we know that um, that we that we can that that we're not putting ourselves at risk by um, by returning a certain amount of premium. Um, uh, we also know that the reason why why this is happening is because people are doing the right thing by staying at home. So it feels right. You know, sometimes Sometimes these discounts, these these give back programs are, are really about it, it's about incentivizing people doing the right thing, the right kind of policy holder, the best kind of policy holders, the person that's going to do the right thing. So in this case, our policy holders get a check for acting responsibly, and that feels like the right thing to do right now. Um, and we're going to keep on monitoring the situation if there are ways for us to help. Um, the nice thing about being uh, smaller and kind of getting back to local um, is that is that we're a pretty agile company. So if we decide that um, if if we if we identify a way that we can help our policyholders, then we're going to do that. So quick, quick jumping in here, just like um, you know the stimulus package with the CARES Act is is issuing uh, checks for everyone, and and Donald Trump recently decided that his name needed to be put on these checks. Is Joel going to get his name on the on the refund checks not, to the NNP policyholders? I'm not going to comment on that, but um, they could they couldn't fit his uh, his whole picture on there because he's he's six foot seven. So um. <laughs> turn the turn the check the long way. <laughs> um, well, no, we really appreciate that, and um, it's I, I think just getting money in the hands of policyholders is is unique, and it doesn't. It's, I've, I've been I've only been in insurance for 14 years, but I've never seen anything like that. So, um, yes, uh, it's, it's going to be appreciated and it's going to be something that the policyholders uh, truly value. So um, that's that's fantastic. So, you know, hopefully the dust will settle soon. Um, you know, we've God knows how long, maybe another month of work from home. But, you know, things, as everyone says, will be a new normal, but things will get back to, you know, somewhat what it was before. And as as we get there, um, what what do you see in the marketplace? What do you see um, changing? Honestly, I think that the biggest changes that you're going to see are are going to be just in terms of the way that 
that companies conduct business. I think that um, that what what we're going to see come out of this, what we've seen, and and talking to um, competitors and uh, you know socially over the course of this thing, um, uh, folks are finding efficiencies that they didn't know existed. Uh, they didn't know that the inefficiency existed. Yeah. That that allows us to to move more quickly. It allows us to address problems more quickly. Um, this this has been unprecedented in terms of the speed at which we've had to react to situations. Uh, I've I've been doing this for a long time. Um, my uh, and it just just like just like the two of you, you know, I, I'm I'm dyed in the wool in insurance. Um, uh, and and my father, grandfather, great grandfather were were all in this business, and. Um, I don't think that any of them uh, ran into a situation that was as much of a game changer as this is. Maybe Hurricane Andrew, um, but uh, but generally, this is this is a this is a situation where we've had things thrown at us that nobody's ever seen before, um, and we've had to address address them over the course of 24 hours um, and identify what the issue is and identify how we're going to react to it. And, and frankly, do it without being physically proximate to each other, which is probably the hardest part. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I find it incredibly difficult to collaborate with people that I'm not in the same room with. Um, so um, so I, I think that the efficiencies that we get out of that are going to be really game changing. Uh, as far as um, as far as markets changing, um, I, I don't I don't see this precipitating market changes except for the fact that that uh, the stock market certainly um, has has taken a hit and and we we've been in a soft market for a time so um, so uh, and and I, I don't know whether you want to get into that at all but yeah well just just I can get into that quickly and for the for the listeners talking about a soft market. That means that pricing, the insurance pricing has generally been soft or going down. And we've been in that market for about 10 years. So in the insurance industry, the the thought process has been, okay, since the market is down and that that, that could really affect pricing going forward because insurance companies invest in the market. And a lot of their assets, when they're in surplus, meaning they're there to pay claims, but they're there, um, they're not just sitting in cash. They're sitting in investments and if, um, if if companies aren't making as much money in those markets, you got to make more. You got to you can't just lose money. So you're going to have to underwrite better. You're going to have to do everything else more efficiently, like some of the things you talked about. And part of that is you have to charge more. So if you have to charge more, then that that that's what's called a hard market. So when the when the markets change and pricing starts to go up, oftentimes pricing goes up. And another way to uh, make money from the insurance company side is to limit coverage. So you can, so that's another piece of the hard market. Sometimes it's hard, hard to get coverage, uh, certain limits that you might've purchased before. Maybe you had a $10 million umbrella. Now it's a $5 million umbrella. Maybe it's the same price as it was as a 10. So that's kind of an ex- extreme example, but that's generally what happens in this marketplace. And my worry is that um, if, if credit continues to dry up, if, 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 uh, if there's a, a liquidity problem, the surging capital that's been rushing into reinsurance might might not be there, and reinsurance really drives the buzz on pricing. So, because reinsurance is how insurance companies insure themselves. 
So if that if if that price goes up, you have no choice but to but to increase pricing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, I I I don't see a hard market coming out of on just on the basis of COVID nineteen. Um, a hard markets um, can be precipitated by events, but they're not caused by events. So yeah, we've we've been in a soft market for ten years. Um, but the so so I mean you talk about the definition of hard markets um, and and I know it's kind of insurance jargony but um, when the cost of doing business increases faster than rates the market hardens um, so so whether that's whether that's because the equity market is not as strong as it has been so you can't make as much money on equities as you could have um, or whether it's because um, capital in the reinsurance market costs more. So reinsurance is a set cost for us. Um, reinsurance costs can go up. Pri primarily, it's because there isn't as much capital in the marketplace, which makes sense. That's the way markets work. Um, but that can be caused by global catastrophe. Um, uh, so if the cost of business goes up faster than rates, then the market hardens. Um, we have been in an extended period of a soft rate environment. Um, but but frankly, uh, I mean, markets markets are driven by markets. So um, so the uh, so uh, the the dynamic that you're talking about is is a very very large one, and it they tend to shift kind of like an aircraft carrier. So it, yeah. is there the potential for the hard market on on the horizon? Yeah, as as there has been for the last three years, there's been a potential for a hard market on the horizon. I don't see it coming out of this crisis. All right, well, you heard it here first. Prices aren't going up yet. <laughs> you mentioned it's not on the horizon uh, for a hard market, but with the pandemic we're facing, with the uh, contract of the policy reading that viruses are not a covered loss, do you feel somewhere on the horizon that insurance companies could include in a policy offering to now have exclusions uh, be offered to um, the policyholder. You're talking about buyback. buyback. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see it as an insurable coverage. To be honest, I, I don't, I don't see it as uh, a pandemic has not been an in, in the traditional sense insurable. The pro, the problem is that any large, any any exposure that you have that impacts. That impacts everybody. Um, the way that insurance works is everybody pays in their five dollars, and then somebody has a loss, and you use everybody's five dollars to pay the loss, and then everybody pays in their five dollars, and somebody else has a loss. Um, the um, uh, I mean, originally it was pooling money to buy a fire truck. That was that was the way the mutuals started. They all pooled money. They bought a fire truck, and if you paid your money in, then they put out the fire and rebuild your house, and then they put more money in. Um, but the, um, but, uh, so when you have an event that, that impacts everybody all at the same time, you better be sure that that event is only going to happen every so many years, because otherwise it's, it's, if you knew that it was only going to happen every hundred years, then you could pool the money and you could, you could handle it over time. But even, even in saying that, that's an exposure that's better handled by the government. Um, it's better handled by the government to have everybody pay into the system, and then every hundred years you have you have a global pandemic, and the government's prepared. Um, 
So, so either way, it's, it's hard to imagine a world where the insurance industry is, uh, picks up these exposures. That's, that's the reason they're excluded because they would be so incredibly expensive to cover. Um, you couldn't have the small business owner, the, the, um, you know, the, the individual, uh, bearing that cost. Uh, th thanks. Thanks for elaborating on that. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, and we'll see how it plays out with the government. I hope they do step it up like they did after 9-11 when they set up the terrorism uh, coverage. And, um, you know, that's if, thankfully hasn't been used since then. But um, but it's um, it's it's it certainly solidifies things in companies. Um, one last thing. You guys have um, have have launched a new program or a pilot program with mm -hmm. Hartford Steam Boiler and internally. The sales team, Ted, Ted, Ted and I, we, we've we've spoken about how the future of insurance is is evolving and how sensors and technology is going to play a larger part in terms of loss control, risk mitigation, et cetera. We see this as a prime example of that. Can you just go into uh, the program? Sure. Uh, the the program itself is uh, it's a it's an Internet of Things uh, sensor program um, that we offer for uh, commercial policyholders. Uh, the the the, uh, the technology are their their water sensors, temperature sensors, humidity sensors, and they tie into a hub that is uh, that's that's a Wi-Fi enabled hub or a sorry a cellular enabled hub, so it's not dependent on Wi-Fi. And uh, these these sensors uh, identify if there's the presence of water, if there's uh, a, a temperature that falls outside of tolerance, uh, if humidity uh, is outside of tolerance, and if uh, if water coming through a pipe coming into the building uh, has had a temperature drop. And, and the idea is that it monitors these conditions over time, so you can. You, you have a, a dashboard that you can watch, that you can see what the fluctuations are. And, and if something happens that's out of what's considered tolerant, uh, then you get pinged on your cell phone uh, or by email, whichever, whichever you choose uh, through when you, when you set up the program. Um, we think that, um, well, I shouldn't say, the, the industry is moving towards uh, towards general loss control. And uh, we feel very bullish about the commercial lines marketplace in general. 80% uh, of commercial lines across the country is handled by independent agents, uh, personal lines, so, so individuals, homeowner policies, auto policies, about a third is handled through independent agents. Now in Massachusetts, 70% of personal lines is handled through independent agents and about 86% of commercial lines is handled by independents. But any way we can, uh, we can help to provide value in the commercial lines marketplace, uh, we feel that that's a good investment. Um, so, so the company that we've partnered with on this is Hartford Steam Boiler. Hartford Steam is a reinsurance and engineering company. Uh, they're, a, they're a historical partner of ours. And, um, and they have an Internet of Things lab that they've launched in Hartford um, that, uh, where, where they've helped to develop these, these sensors, this program, and they helped to get it off the ground for us. So it's, it's a pilot program right now. It's, uh, it's for a limited number of insureds. We're offering it to 
the first hundred policyholders that take us up on it. And um, and it's going pretty well so far. But we're we're looking for we're, we always try to stay on the forefront of technology in the industry. It's always been sort of a strength of ours. Aaron Cummings, our CIO, is very forward thinking. Um, launched uh, a uh, what was at the time really revolutionary best of breed uh, system in our our agent pack platform that was a uh, rating and policy management system. Uh, we were one of the first companies to adopt a policyholder portal in the my insurance portal. Uh, we've also we also have a uh, we we have a telematics program for drivers, uh, an app based telematics program called N and Drive uh, that's gotten some traction for us. Um, if, if you drive well, you get um, you get rewards. Unfortunately, I I don't drive well enough to get rewards, but a lot of people are getting paid a lot of money through this thing. So um, it's got <laughs> well, me it's got me working on my driving. So well, it's always uh, always going to do that. But just to back up to the Harvard Steam. Yeah, uh, relationship. We we love that because it helps both sides. We see it as it's going to alert a policyholder of a potential loss before before they'd ever know about it otherwise. Like if there's a water leak, they're not going to wait to to see the water when they go check on the place. They're going to know it's getting maybe too humid and maybe alerting a sensor. So number one, it's going to stop a, a loss before it gets too bad, which saves them money and saves them tons of unrealized time, energy and uh, deductible spent. And on your end, it's saving money on not having to pay as large of a claim. So we, we really, really like that mentality. It's a part, it really fits our philosophy of risk management, uh, how, of how we work as an agency. So um, we're, we're really happy to see you guys take initiative and, um, and, and pilot this program. So we're, we're hopefully there's a lot more to come of that between North and Denham and, and Delane Gibson. Um, but overall, just want to thank you for your time today. Um, great conversation. I know Ted and I enjoyed it, and uh, we re- really appreciate all the depth you went into regarding, you know, some tough questions around the industry, policy coverages, and uh, but we truly, truly appreciate uh, what you do for Delane Gibson, what you do for your other agents, uh, and uh, and thanks again. Well, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on, and. Uh partnership means a lot to us. So um, we'll, we'll keep it going and uh, try to do right by you. Awesome. Um, Thank you, Colby.